wow, how do you preach after that worship? Isn't that so good? Yeah, just look at Jesus the whole time. I love that we spent like 30 minutes just singing that. Isn't that great? I know it's stretching for some. You know, we're like, okay, are we going to go into a song? Are we going to go into a song? Are we going to go into a song? You know what I'm saying? But there's this reality of when the Lord begins to author a song that's not something that's written. It's being birthed in the, by the Holy Spirit in the moment. And that's what Paige was singing. She, didn't, she probably didn't come up there thinking, all right, I'm going to, you know, start with that. She probably had a song in mind. And then as we're worshiping, what happens? The Holy Spirit begins to, to bring things. He begins to lay things on your heart, and then a new song arises. Isn't that amazing? I just think that's amazing. And part of it is even what's been happening in our house of prayer on Thursdays, we literally just sit here for two hours, most of the time not having a clue what we're doing, and the Lord just begins to drop things. And it's amazing the atmosphere that's stewarded in this place, in the place of prayer. I just thought that was so cool. So I love that. Well, hey, last Sunday was Vision Sunday. Man, I'm going to move over here. Okay. <laughs> we need you guys to spread out next time. I'm just kidding. Um, vision Sunday was last Sunday. We, we released a lot of fresh vision that we feel from the Lord for 2023. And so I want to encourage you, if you have not watched that or listened to the podcast, to do that. Because one of the things that we talked about is that we are continuing to build boldly in 2023. And we're actually feeling that it's not just building boldly, it's actually even building boldly and expanding. The Lord is expanding us. Just, just look around this room. Isn't this amazing? Like the Lord's brought so many new faces. There's, there's expansion happening. Because the Lord is building his church. And so as we lean deeper into that, I want to just say a, a few things. One, vision helps give direction. Vision helps bring clarity. And vision establishes and allows us to create. It's the reason I think I shared that passage in Habakkuk 2 last week, where Habakkuk is talking about standing on the rampart. He's standing firm. And he's doing what? He's looking at Jesus, which we just spent the last hour and 15 minutes doing. And then the next part is God saying, now that you've been looking at me, I'm going to give you vision and I want you to inscribe it on the tablets. I want you to write it down. And so that, that's what we've done. We've been looking at him and then he gives us fresh vision. And so some of that vision is that we're... We're continuing to do Jesus Nights. We're going to do those every second Friday, starting in 2023. We have new prophetic reformers ministry. We've got worship in the city next year. We're going to dig deeper into the neighborhood. Like, we are doing so many things. We're, we're doing table groups. More to come on that. But this, this concept of a table is critical for us to understand. 
this is, none of this is in my notes right now, but I feel like it's important. Um, I was, we were grocery shopping yesterday because we came home from Thanksgiving and we needed some groceries. And so we're in, we're in the grocery store and, and I love going shopping with my daughter, Adeline. It's incredibly fun and can be sometimes more expensive, yes? <laughs> Always more expensive. Right, And so she's running around the store, and I love it, and she's grabbing, you know, her favorite items, a lot of which happen to be sweets, yes, and, and she's wanting to put these things in the cart, right, and we're like, yes, maybe to that one, and kind of no to that, you know, and, and I, I walked out of the grocery store, and I was thinking about that, and all of a sudden, I had this thought, the Holy Spirit just brought this thought to my mind, and it was like, that's how I am with you. I get to, to get so excited grabbing all of these nuggets and things that I desire to show you. I desire to speak to you, to lead you, to guide you, and to show you things. And it's almost like a kid in a grocery store that's running around. They don't, they don't have a thought about this costs $10 and this costs $20 and all of this stuff. They don't care. They just know that they have a desire for it. And God is saying, I have a desire to show you things, and he doesn't care about the price tags, and we shouldn't either. Because when he shows you something, he's going to provide for it. And so I, I just, I had that thought as, we, as we've been digging into to vision, and even as we talk about this concept of the table, because the table Thanksgiving tables, right? There is so much food, right? There's diversity of food. There's diversity of people at the table, and they come and they sit. And when you sit down at a table with food, you're not worried about how much the turkey cost. You're thinking about, how can I get that turkey in my stomach? And it literally says in Psalm 23 that he prepares a table. Jesus reclined at the table. So there's this idea of Jesus sitting at a table with a feast prepared for you, waiting for you to just come and sit with him. And so when we talk about this concept of the table, it's that everyone's welcome at the table. The table is a place to belong. The table is a place for discipleship. The table is a place to encounter things from him. And everyone's welcome around a table. And at the table, even in the midst of your enemies, there's a table with a feast on it. Even in the midst of your darkest days, when you don't have an answer, there is a table that he has prepared for you just to come sit at. All right. 30 minutes, and I have at least 15 pages of notes. Okay. I'm probably going to move a little bit fast this morning. Um, I want, to, I want to give a little bit of in, introduction. I, I've been feeling like the Lord's been wanting us to talk about the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to John 14. I'm going to lay a little bit of groundwork this morning. John 14 we are going to land on verse 16. Don't you love the Bible? Come on. I love, 
I was at the, the last prophetic training and Nikki was up here and she had Misty up here who was teaching, which I love Misty. I don't know if she's in the room, but so, so thankful for Misty. And Misty was teaching and one of the first things that, that Nikki said was she so appreciated about Misty was that Misty is very big on you got to find it in the word. And that's not, that's not like, I love, there's Misty. We love you, Misty. And what, what Misty was talking about isn't just something that's personal for her. That is of high value in the house. We are, even the name convergence means things converging together. It's a convergence of things. It's things merging. And two of the things, okay, I can't go too far that way. I'm going to stay right here. Two of the things that are merging in this house that's really important is the spirit and the word. Together. I'm looking for worshipers who will worship me in spirit and in truth. And so we're, we're really big on that right now. And so John 15, 16, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says this, I will ask the Father. And he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. After a little while, the world no longer is going to see me. But you are going to see me because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, and I love that it says in parentheses, not Iscariot said to him, Lord, what has happened that you are going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will follow my word and my father will love him and will come to him and make our dwelling with him. That is a powerful passage of scripture. There's so much in that that we, we could unpack that for weeks. And I want to quickly skip to John 16, where Jesus again is talking about the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 says, But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me where you were going, but because I have said these things to you, grief has filled your heart. Verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. Someone say, it is to your advantage. It is to your advantage that I am leaving. Wow. Can you imagine what the disciples are thinking? Jesus just said, grief has filled your heart. And if I was in that moment, grief would have filled my heart. Because Jesus is essentially saying, I'm leaving. I am going. And can you like think about this for a moment? The disciples have seen all of these miracles. They've walked with Jesus. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him heal. They've seen him cleanse. They've seen all of these things. They've witnessed with their own eyes. And then Jesus says, I'm going. And then to their amazement, he actually says, out of everything that you've seen, it's actually to your advantage that I go.
For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, verse 8, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Regarding sin because they do not believe in me. And regarding righteousness because I am going to the Father and you no longer are going to see me. And regarding judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them at this present time. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Verse 14, this is really important. He will glorify me. For he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. This is why I said that he takes from mine and will disclose it to you. So I want to give you just four points really quickly, just to lay some some foundation as we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit. Number one, I've already said this, but it is to your advantage. What's the point about this? It's the importance of the Holy Spirit. He actually says, greater works than these you will do. So Jesus, you've, the, the disciples have seen all of these things. They've seen all of these miracles. They've walked with Jesus. And Jesus then says, you're actually going to see greater things when I go because I am going to send the helper who is the Holy Spirit who's not just going to be with you, he's going to be in you. Oh, if you grasp this, it will change your walk with the Lord. Number two, John 14, 23, Jesus says he will make our dwelling with them. What does that mean? It means that he literally is going to send the helper, and the helper, that is the Holy Spirit, is going to make its dwelling place inside of you. That means that you are a dwelling place of the Lord. Number three, the, Holy, the greatest role of the Holy Spirit is that it reveals Jesus. John 14, 19 says, but you are going to see me because I live, you will also live. He lives, therefore you live, and you will see him through the Holy Spirit. And then number four, and this, I don't have time to unpack this this morning, but nine times in John 16, In the passage that we just read, verses 5, all the way through 15, the word he is used to describe the Holy Spirit. Nine times. Why is that important? Because sometimes in, in our culture, there's this, even in church, the Holy Spirit gets described as this, almost this it thing. This like ethereal, like Holy Spirit, you know? This like ethereal thing that's sort of an it, you know, and we're kind of like scared of it. We're not sure what it is. The Holy Spirit is described in John 16 as a person. It's not some weird ghost thing that we're like uh, a little bit afraid of or, or, you know, we need to run from or whatever. It's not this it thing that we're like this weird thing. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is a person. He is described as a he nine times in John 16. 
This attributes personhood. And actually, if you dig deeper into all of these passages about the Holy Spirit, you find it's not just that it's a he, it's not just that it's he, it's that the Holy Spirit has emotion. There's personality throughout all of Scripture attributed to the Holy Spirit because he is the third person of the Trinity. So as we talk about this, I just wanted to lay some of that groundwork. And now I am going to very quickly touch on something that Justin actually already mentioned which is Justin started talking about, I don't know if you heard him, he started talking about how we, we approach the Lord unhindered. Anyone remember this? Unhindered. How do we approach the Lord unhindered? In Matthew 27, what happened? Jesus died on the cross, and what happened? The veil was torn from top to bottom. Why is that significant? Because in the Old Testament, you see there's priests and there's the Holy of Holies. And the only way, your own, the only access to the Holy of Holies was actually through the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement. The high priest would get to go beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies and encounter the manifest presence of God once a year. Think about that. And so in Matthew 27, what we have happen is Jesus tears that veil, he removes it, instead of there having to be a high priest through the law, Jesus becomes the high priest, and access is granted for every believer through Jesus to the Holy of Holies. Oh, that should excite you. Like I said last week, it's an honor that we get to live in these days. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit, it's something David was dreaming about. It was his desire in Psalm 132 when he said, I will not sleep and I will not slumber until I build a resting place for the Lord. It was David's cry. He wanted to build a resting place. Can you imagine if David, looking up in heaven, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, he's like, oh my goodness, that's that's amazing. You mean you have access to God at all times and you don't have to go through a Levite? And so we have priests and high priests all throughout the Old Testament, yes? And so we have this thing. We have the Israelites went through a priest essentially as a proxy to God, okay? And so I, I don't, oh man, I'm having to go real fast, so just bear with me as I dig into this. But throughout Scripture, we see this, the, we see priests and we see high priests. And actually the Israelites, man, the Israelites, they were, in Exodus 20, they actually tell Moses, they say, we actually don't want God to speak to us. So Moses, you hear from God, you speak to us on behalf of God, but we don't want to hear from him. They, they literally say that in Exodus 20. 
And so you have this whole back and forth with the Israelites throughout all of the Old Testament of this, this thing between like God wanting to actually talk with them and, and be among them. And the Israelites actually are kind of like, uh, we're, we're afraid of God. And so we have this whole priesthood that is established here in Exodus. Exodus 28, the priesthood is established through Aaron and his sons. So Aaron is the high priest, and then the order of Levi, which is the Levitical priesthood, were established as the priests at that time. And so you would bring your sacrifice to a, a priest, a Levite. He would make the sacrifice for you on behalf of to, to God, and then that's how that happened. You didn't go directly to God, though. You went through a priest. And so the priest had several roles, and I want, I want you to hear this here. What is the role of a priest from the standpoint of, of the Levitical priesthood? It was the role of the priest to minister to the Lord on behalf of the people. It was the role of the priest to come before the Lord on behalf of the people. The people of Israel couldn't offer a sacrifice to God without going through a priest. The people of Israel couldn't even approach God without going through a priest or the high priest. In order to maintain favor and right standing with God, you needed to make sacrifices and approach God through a priest. And again, I already said this, but the difference between a priest and the high priest was that only the high priest could stand behind the veil before God once a year. I want you to think about your personal relationship with the Lord and contrast it with what I'm talking about right now. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, they could enter the Holy of Holies. In order... For, to have my sins forgiven, I have to make a sacrifice with animals. Okay, this is the law. And so we have this priesthood that is established. And then in Genesis 14, which is actually before this, there's another priest that is mentioned. Does anyone know what his name is? Melchizedek. Melchizedek, probably one of the most mysterious figures in the Old Testament. Melchizedek, it says in Genesis 14, 18, it says, And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And it says this, Now he was a priest of God Most High. So again, very quickly, I'm just going to recap this for us, okay? We have the order of Aaron and the Levites. L Levitical priesthood. But mentioned before that, we have a priest through Melchizedek, a priesthood through Melchizedek that is of a different line. In fact, it doesn't even attribute Melchizedek to any line. <laughs> He's almost this supernatural figure. And David brings it all together in Psalms 110 verse 4. When he says, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so there's two orders of priesthood. I've already mentioned the Levitical, but then we have the order of Melchizedek. The order of Melchizedek is then brought all the way through into Hebrews where Paul spends a lengthy amount of time 
talking about Melchizedek because his desire in Hebrews 5 and in Hebrews 7 is to link Melchizedek with Jesus. And so Hebrews 5, I'm going to turn there quickly because I want to lay some of this foundation for you. It's, it's titled the perfect high priest. And so Hebrews 5 says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God, in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. But literally it says right here, So Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, which is God, you are my son, today I have begotten you, just as it says in Psalm 110, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And so Jesus, we see in Hebrews 7, is, is a priest like the, from the order of Melchizedek, because Jesus was born from what? The tribe of Judah. He wasn't connected to the tribe of Levi. And so Jesus, this priesthood line is established through Melchizedek, through all the way to Jesus, and Jesus is established as the perfect high priest who holds his priesthood perpetually, permanently. It never ends. Oh, man. I'm going to have to send the notes out for this one. Hebrews 7, verse 24. Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is also able to save forever those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who has no daily need. What's he about to do? He's about to contrast the order of Melchizedek with Jesus and the order of Levi. Because the order of Levi, they had a need to offer sacrifices. He has no daily need like those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Because he did this once for all time when he offered up himself. Listen to this, verse 28. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Forever. I also find it interesting that the only, that only passage in Genesis 14 about Melchizedek, it never mentions Melchizedek dying, it never mentions any of this. It's just something to think about. There is a Christ-like figure in Genesis 14 that establishes a priesthood that would be carried all the way throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament by the sending of Jesus as God's only son. Jesus would then die on the cross. The veil is torn. He rises again on the third day. And now, because he is alive, he holds his priesthood perpetually. And so I get to approach him as I am. I get to approach the high priest, not as a sinner, but as righteous because of what he's already done on the cross. Amen. It's the contrasting of two priesthood lines. 
one priesthood line, we have to work for it. We have to do all these sacrifices and all this stuff. Another priesthood line is like, no, it's Jesus and he did it all. And so the priesthood that we have here in the new covenant that was established through Jesus is from the order of Melchizedek. We don't have to go backwards into an order of Levi in a Levitical order and try to establish things where we're trying to get God to come and we're trying to, we're trying to do all this stuff to achieve him, to work for him when it's already been done through another priestly order that's actually greater. Oh, I'm preaching this morning. What does this mean? There is no need for any other high priest. Jesus is our high priest, and this means we have full access through him. So unhindered, I already said this, means that we don't approach him as sinners but righteous. I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the gospel. So Jesus is the only high priest. He is the only way to God. Just as the high priest was the only one allowed to go beyond the veil, so Jesus is our only access. John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way to approach God is through Jesus, his son. It's why we spent so long, just look at Jesus. Why? Because when you see him, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you see the Father. So we spend time looking at him. And as we're gazing at him, we see the Father because we're looking at the son. How are we looking at the son, though? Holy Spirit. That's how. How do we even know Jesus? The Holy Spirit. That's how. How do we approach him rightly? The Holy Spirit. That's how. The Holy Spirit within me allows me to see Jesus that allows me to see the Father. It's the Trinity in its perfect form. It's the Father, it's the Son, and it's the Holy Spirit all functioning together. As I look at Jesus through the Holy Spirit, I see the Father. As I, as I, have, to, as I have a desire for more of Jesus, I get more of the Father. Jesus is the only way. You cannot be righteous apart from him. You cannot have eternal life apart from him. You cannot approach him. The only way to approach God is through Jesus. So now we have established Jesus as our high priest. And very quickly, I want to establish one more thing. And it's in Romans 15, 15 through 16, if, if you want to turn quickly. Is this good this morning? I know we're traveling real fast. We're, we're marching. Maybe we'll send the notes or something because I had to skip a whole lot of groundwork here. 
Romans 15. I love this passage. This is Paul. What does he say? He says, but I have written very boldly to you on some point so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God. To be a minister, verse 16, of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a what? A priest. The gospel of God so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. How is Paul looking at his ministry from? A priest. A priest. Okay, let me go one notch deeper. Revelation 1.6, what does it say? And he made us into a kingdom. Priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You're like, okay, let me go one step deeper. Again, we're going to get in the word. 1 Peter 2 Verse 9, most of you should be able to quote this by heart. What does it say? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What's the point? Summarize. We have the old covenant. We have the priestly line. We have Jesus. We have our high priest. The only way that we can approach is through Jesus, our high priest. So he is your high priest. There is no other. And so if we exalt anything into that place of high priest, that is false. Jesus has to keep that seat. But then as we look at the high priest, through the Holy Spirit... What are we? Priests. Did you know that you're a priest? And I think when I say this, there's a lot of thoughts that probably come into people's mind because there's been a lot of, well, you know, but priests, they, you know, there's, there's almost this bad connotation with priests from throughout church history. But the reality in Scripture is that Paul is saying, I am a priest ministering the gospel. First Peter says you are a royal priesthood. Revelation, again, like I said, it says that you, he made us into a kingdom, priest to God and Father. And so what I see in the new covenant establishes the people of God through right relationship with Jesus as priests. Following our high priest. You're like, okay, that's great, Andrew. What does that mean for me? What does that mean? Listen to this. Christians are not dependent upon the priests within the church to interpret scripture for them or affect God's blessing of forgiveness for them. All Christians are equally priests through Christ and stand upon the same ground before the cross. Oh, man. What does that mean? As a priest... You have direct access to the high priest. No veil. No hindrance. Justin said it. He said unhindered. Unhindered. 
You have direct access to your high priest Jesus through the Holy Spirit at all times. You don't have to sacrifice a goat. You don't have to sacrifice a bull. You don't have to figure out how to find him. He is with you at all times through the Holy Spirit. As a priest, you don't need a Levite or one ordained for ministry to approach the Lord. This is really important. I'm building off of something I said last week, if you were here, which is what? We are all ministers. Where does that come from, this? As a priest, the Levitical priesthood, one of their most important roles was to minister to God. Another one of their roles was to, was to go on behalf of the people to God. Guess what? You don't have to go through someone. You go through Jesus. You don't have to go through a preacher. You don't have to go through a worship team. Oh, you don't have to go through that YouTube preacher, although we love him. You don't have to listen to a podcast. You don't have to be in an anointed thing that's... Why? Because you don't actually have to have anyone except the Holy Spirit to see Jesus. How does this change the way that you worship? The Levites, one of their greatest roles, I already said it, was to minister to God. So as a priest, your number one role is to minister to the Lord. And you don't need, you don't have to have any other thing. You don't need Sean playing keys, although it's beautiful. You don't have to have even songs. I love that we sang. We didn't even sing a song for 30 minutes today. You don't have to have a song with words to see Jesus. You don't need a worship leader to worship. You don't need a pastor to feel like you're you're getting to encounter God. We're not encountering an individual's anointing. We're encountering the holy manifest presence of God that rests within you as a dwelling place. Oh, I'm getting excited. Through the Holy Spirit. It's what David cried out for. That there would be a resting place of the Lord. Where is the resting place? It's right here. So as I sing... I look to you, Jesus. We just want to look at you. We just want to see you. It's the Holy Spirit crying out within you that then allows you to see Jesus and forever be changed. And you don't have to go through another individual to get that. You just get to go directly to Jesus. Woo! I mean, if I'm preaching to myself, I'm, I'm feeling it this morning. Ephesians. Ephesians 2, verse 18. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Mm. What did Jesus say in John 16? He, called, he said, a dwelling of God. So this is what I want you to get. As a priest... You are a dwelling place of the Lord. You're a dwelling place of the Lord. Please go pick up your kids. I'm going to go just a few minutes further. I know this has been a lot. Listen, as believers in Jesus, you are all ordained for ministry. 
And I think even sometimes within the prayer culture, I feel like we're still very like, we need, we need a worship team or we need something to enter us into worship. Sometimes I can feel that even as a leader. And there's no question that as they're ministering to the Lord, something happens. And that's the reason why we have worship teams. And we love the fact that we get to worship. But this is what I told our staff. I was like, what if we came in here and there was no worship team? What if we came... <laughs> Wesley. I'm glad Wesley's back. What if, what if we came in here and there was no message? What would happen? I think it might be awkward at first. I think we might all stare at each other for a little bit. And then you know what I think would happen? I think you would worship. Not because, oh, not because you need to be led in worship. Not because you need a worshiper ordained for ministry to worship, but because you as a priest are a worshiper and because the Holy Spirit within you actually cannot stop worshiping. A dwelling place of the Lord. The angels in heaven never stop singing. So there's constant worship happening. All we have to do is enter into what heaven is doing and not look at what's happening in the natural. Not look at what's happening on earth. It's on earth as it is in heaven. So I think we would come in here and we would all start to worship out of a place of us being priests, worshiping, ministering to the Lord out of the fact that we are a resting place of the Lord. This changes the way that ministry functions. Now, listen to me. We still need, I, I still love leadership, right? It says in Acts 2 that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. There's still need for that. There's still need for worship leaders and worship teams. And I love our worship teams here. But what I'm trying to get down to is that we have to strip away anything that we're still pulling from an old covenant reality. Sometimes I think we come in and we think we've got to just beg God to come. Oh, if you would just come, God. And God's like, I just want you to worship me. Minister to me as a priest. And watch what happens. Watch what happens when I don't have to spend time begging God to come. Or we don't have to get 15 songs in on a Sunday to encounter God. We step right in because there is no veil. Matthew 27, the veil was torn in two. It's not there. But sometimes as a church, ah, sometimes as a church, we come in to a church corporate setting and we worship as if there's a veil. In our quiet times, sometimes we spend time in intimacy before the Lord as if there's a hindrance for me to get to God. And then we spend that time and we ask ourselves, why, where is God? And God's like, I'm right here. There's not anything in the Bible that says you have to go through this crazy desert never hearing the Lord season. He says, I provide streams oh, of, of living water in the desert. 
so we don't approach him with a veil anymore. We come into this room as, core, as individual resting places, and it's not about the chairs, it's not about the wall, it's not about the paint on the wall, it's not about how good the worship team sounds. What it is about is about that you, personal intimacy with the Lord as a resting place, get to worship him. And as we all gather, all 200 of us, we get in this room and we begin as resting places to worship, something happens because we're together. That's the beauty of the corporate. But listen, we, don't, we come in as resting places. We don't come in as, well, all right, maybe by song three, we're going to get past the veil. Man, I feel like the Lord, he's handing out VIP all-access passes this morning. There ain't no balcony seats. And if you're sitting in the balcony, there's an invitation to the front row. There's an invitation to the VIP section. Welcome to the front row. Welcome to relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near. It doesn't say you've been brought kind of near. It doesn't say you're on, you've only been brought near when you feel good. It doesn't say you've only been brought near when you've had this crazy hour-long intimate thing with the Lord. It says at all times, this verse never changes regardless of what happens in your life. As a believer, you have been brought near. By what? The blood of Jesus. You are not far off. Sometimes I think we have this picture and we're like, you know, trying to use a telescope. Oh, there's Jesus. And Jesus says, I am right here. I'm the very breath that you breathe. I am so close. I am so near. Through the blood, there's no veil. The Holy Spirit lives within you. You're a dwelling place. You have that access to the Lord. And so we don't have to be crying out, Lord, if I could just see you. Instead, it's, Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am a dwelling place of the Lord. A priest isn't worried if they hear God. A priest doesn't question if God is with them because they know their place. A big key for the Israelites was to make certain that they got the sacrifice right in order to maintain favor and right standing with God. As a priest, your right standing has already been purchased. That's the gospel. You don't have to come in and try to achieve right standing with God. Everything had to be perfect for that sacrifice. It had to be, right, unblemished. What happened? Jesus, the unblemished Lamb of God, who it says knew no sin, became sin, 
so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you come into this room with the Holy Spirit. You approach him rightly through the fact that he has already done it. And we worship from that place. We're not worshiping trying to get to that place. And I feel like sometimes, even in church prayer circles, we spend so much time trying to get somewhere that we already are. And so we spend so much time trying to get into a place, and Jesus is like, hi, I'm right here. I'm right here. All right, I'm going to land the plane. You don't have to work hard and make sure you bring a perfect sacrifice. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. We don't have to spend time working up this thing. I'm just going to work up holiness. I'm just going to work up righteousness. I'm just going to work my way into right standing before God. I'm going to do good works and all this stuff so that I have his favor. And God says, no, you are righteous. And so you don't have to figure out how to earn all this stuff. You are righteous. It's who you are through what Jesus did on the cross. Okay, so what are we? Priests. That's huge. You know what another element of the priesthood is? And I don't have time to talk about this. This may be a whole other message. So bear with me. But priests, even as the Levitical priesthood, you went through a priest to get to God. Do you know what another role of the priest is? Is to be a witness. What if that aspect of the priesthood is actually the Holy Spirit wanting to come out and actually wanting there to be light everywhere you go? And so as a carrier of his presence, as a conduit of him as a priest, you actually have the opportunity to operate as a priest in Walmart and people see you and they see him. And so they approach him almost as if it was in the Levitical order, but now full access They approach him and actually they see him through you as a priest. Favor is not contingent upon having it all together. But favor is God's response to obedience. All right. stand I think this message right here the reason I started with this message when we're talking about the Holy Spirit is because it's important to look at where we've come from it's important to pull and to thread that Melchizedek priestly order all the way through so that you understand who your high priest is And that you understand that you are a dwelling place of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. It's incredibly important. So I'm just going to pray. Lord, we thank you. 
And Lord, one thing I, I heard as, I, as we were worshiping is I felt like there might be some people in the room that you've actually, you've actually felt that you have a hindrance to get to him. You've felt hindered. You've felt like there's a veil. You've felt it. And this morning, I think what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants you to see Jesus unhindered. And so, Lord, this morning, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are our high priest. We thank you for what you did on the cross, that you purchased it. You did it. And as you, when you ascended to the Father, the Holy Spirit then was poured out, what we see in Acts 2. Thank you for pouring out the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we can live unhindered. Thank you that we have 24-7 access. And right now I ask, I ask that where the enemy has come in and he has said there's a wall between you and God. There's a wall. Oh, look at what you've done. Look at how your life is. Look at how your quiet times feel like work. And right now, that lie is being destroyed. And Jesus is coming in right now and he says, here I am unhindered access there's not a wall between you and God there's not a wall and so Lord I ask you that even in personal quiet times this week Lord that there would be a deep place of encounter as we look at you unhindered that there would not be any walls in any place that the enemy tries to come in and he tries to bring back that, that old, old mindset, that old priesthood. And he says, hey, look, if you just do this, maybe God will hear you. If you just do this, maybe, maybe he'll come. If you just do this, maybe you'll feel him. Maybe you'll experience him. And right now, that lie is being broken. It's being severed because Jesus already did it. The veil was torn. There is no hindrance. There is no hindrance to come and to encounter the living God. Woo! Some of you, you need to say, I am a royal priesthood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I ask you, Lord, that where there's even been mindsets about having to have someone else to encounter Jesus, I ask you that there would be deep individual encounter. We are all ministers. We're all priests. We all get the privilege, the honor of approaching him rightly and just getting to say, Jesus, here we are. We thank you that we as priests are a dwelling place of the presence of God. We don't have to go through someone else to get to the Holy of Holies. We get to live in the Holy of Holies. We get to abide, as it says in John 15, he says, remain in me. Abide in the vine. We get to plug in and we just get to abide in you from a place of being seated as a priest. 
We get to worship from a place of being seated as a priest. We're not worshiping to finally get somewhere. We're worshiping as priests. We're ministering directly to the heart of God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. you this week. Can I, can I give some homework? I want to encourage you this week. When you spend time with him, and by the way, spending time with God can look different for everybody. Don't make that a law. Don't make it a work. Just approach him. Just come. What's the point? The point is that we get to come. The point is that we get to say, here I am, Jesus. I get to spend this moment in the car with my three kids. I get to spend this moment by myself as I'm driving to work. I get to encounter the living God. And so the homework that I am assigning you right now is that you would approach him this week. And I want you to concentrate on the fact that you aren't trying to achieve something through works. You're just getting to approach him as you are unhindered access so when you spend time with him instead of it being God uh, Lord would you just come please 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 come I think God's up in heaven like would you just look at me <laughs> would you just see that I'm closer than than I could even like I am closer than even the air that you are breathing I am he's all around us he's here So we approach our personal time with the Lord as resting places. Can we do that this week? We're going to have a test next week. No, I'm just kidding. I think this, this is really important because it changes the way that you spend time with Him. All right. I love you. Have a great week. We're so thankful for you. And I, I just, as we said last week, this is a family. It's a spiritual family. And we run together. Amen? So we're running together. All right. We'll see you guys next week.